Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Book Wars Pod. Uh, I am <laughs> I am Chris. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. And I'll be honest, I, it didn't really hit me until I was listening to the theme music how long it's been since we recorded. So this is very exciting, and I'm glad to have everybody here. Um, for our listeners, we are taking a step away from the books for this episode, and we're going to look back at season two of The Mandalorian on Disney+. And we're going to do that by talking about, I mean, by talking about the show, but also in particular, one of the issues that is just really, really, really important that some people were talking about on Twitter, Disney is not talking about enough. And that is the issue of uh, transphobia by cast members of the show. Um, as some folks know, Gina Carano is, uh, has, is problematic on Twitter, I think is putting it lightly. Um, she has a history of being very transphobic and also encouraging coups against the United States government. So that's, that's cool. Um, and also Rosario Dawson, uh, who uh, was revealed to be playing Ahsoka this season uh, and in the new Ahsoka show that's coming on Disney Plus, uh, has uh, a currently uh, pending lawsuit against her for uh, attacking a trans man uh, who was previously friends with her family. And so there's a lot of disturbing stuff that's happening, and we wanted to talk about it with a really excellent panel who were willing to. Uh, share their thoughts and share their feelings about the show. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce them. And also when I do, if you want to say what you're drinking, that is great. I personally am drinking a cup of Earl Grey tea um, from Orange Street Storehouse, which is a tea company, a black woman owned tea company in Atlanta. Um, they're excellent. Highly recommend. Um, and let's start with Justice, who is at Firespray Proto on Twitter. Justice, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Greetings and salutations, everybody. I am drinking a uh, coconut LaCroix. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. And then we also have Tyrone, who is Blood Quantum Entanglement on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Hi, my name's Tyrone, like was mentioned. Uh, I run some community gaming spaces and just kind of general nerdery for Native Americans on the internet. Uh, and I am drinking a copy. I wish I could remember the name of, but it was honestly just what was on sale at Grocery Outlet. Listen, I respect that half the time. My what I the coffee I'm drinking is just like we got a free sample from Target. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm not above like finding the hotel single in your luggage and like tearing that apart to make coffee at midnight. Yep. You gotta do what you gotta do. Awesome. And then we also have Dylan, who is at a dildev on Twitter. Dylan, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks again for uh, having me. Um, uh, I am drinking just normal water out of the tap. <laughs> Love it. And then last but very not least, we have Danny, who is a friend of the pod. And we are so glad that we finally got you on, Danny. <laughs> Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, my name's Danny. My pronouns are they and them. And um, Dylan and I coordinated our drink choices tonight. I'm 
doing it Northwood style, drinking tap water out of an Nalgene. So <laughs> love it. Producer, awesome. producer Kristen is here, as you'd know from the DJ Airhorn. Um, I am drinking Lemoncello LaCroix, which is good, but also just want to say thanks for everyone doing this. And now I'm going to turn myself down again. <laughs> oh, now I really want LaCroix since two of you are drinking them. I'm going <laughs> to have to figure that out later. Um, awesome. So one other thing I just want to briefly mention before we dive in is... Uh, if you listened before we took our hiatus, we were uh, highlighting various uh, charitable organizations to donate to instead of donating to us. What we're going to start doing this year is for each kind of grouping of episodes that we do, we're going to focus on uh, a different racial justice organization that folks can donate to uh, just to give people some ideas of great organizations out there that are doing fantastic work and ideas for if you have some spare funds where you can send those. So for our Mandalorian episodes, we are encouraging people if they have the means to give to the National Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. They're a wonderful group uh, doing some really great work for the, the Black trans community, which is an extremely vulnerable and marginalized community. So if you have the funds, we encourage you to send them their way. All right, so let's dive right in. And I would love to hear all of you kind of just talk about what it was like to watch The Mandalorian this season. And, you know, I think we all we all like Star Wars. I think it's fair to say. I think when you watch something that you generally like the franchise, you try to enjoy it. But it's also, you know, you're being bombarded with seeing Gina Carano and Rosario Dawson, uh, who are two people that, you know, at best their transphobia has been kind of skated over. At worst, it hasn't even been addressed by people at Disney and Lucasfilm. Uh, so Dylan, let's start with you. How, what was it like to watch Mandalorian this season? Uh, it was, well, it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster, admittedly. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the, the, uh, the first season. The first season just felt um, a lot of fun. And, you know, there was there were definitely like fun aspects in this new uh, season as well. But. Um, but but the fact that, you know, Star Wars fandom in general lo does love to try to skate over difficult topics, whether the topic is transphobia or homophobia or racism or fat phobia or any of these. So it was it, it, it was really frustrating to. To watch people rush to find excuses um, less so for Gina Carano because she was like, like pe people were uh, that that was less frustrating. It seemed like a lot of folks were on board with Gina Carano, uh, uh, you know, calling out Gina Carano. Um, there was also but like, you know, still her being present in an episode was still just that reminder of what she was choosing to use her platform for. Uh, same with Rosario Darson and uh, Dawson, and also I, I'm the actor's name Bill Burr. Oh, that's right. Yes, the, Bill Burr. I actually yeah, forgot played, that he had a history of transphobia as well. Thank you. Yeah. Um. And I, I actually didn't know that as well until until this episode when you know they brought it up when uh, some folks on Twitter brought it up like, hey, this fella's kind of made uh his his lot as a comedian, you know, punching down, and. Um, and it's, and it is frust and 
in those cases, it was frustrating because there were things that I wanted to celebrate about each of these characters. Um, but at the same time, you like, it's just kind of a constant reminder of uh, we're living in a society that doesn't see uh, folks like us as full people. And so, you know, there's still stuff that I still really loved about the Mandalorian season two. Um, uh, there's still stuff that I, that I go back and like watch and enjoy and listen to, but it, that is just kind of something that's really hanging over it. That kind of dampens the enjoyment things that I wish I could celebrate, but I can't bring myself to. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to, call on people as 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 you know we go through but also if y'all have responses and things to say please do jump in um that is that is very encouraged um tyrone what about you uh kind of similar question what was it like to watch this season yeah um no it was kind of like that was i think with like carano that was kind of one thing um we all knew that was gonna like happen there's no way to like just kind of jettison that character from the show um i mean there are but there's no way they were gonna there's no practical way they were gonna do that that was a realistic expectation i guess um but like the soka thing i remember watching and talking about the show with people and that being like such a bigger disappointment just because um she's kind of this character that a lot of people like a lot of young queer women that i know um that's their favorite star wars character and everybody was hyped about her potentially jumping into this new era this new um part of the franchise having potentially this whole spin-off show in live action uh and then the casting like one decision made it so that we had to be against this character and putting her forward in like live action now, which was like a really, I don't know, like it's kind of like, it was like bare minimum things to pivot on, but like it's, it was just like this huge pain in the ass when you were going into the um, second season expecting to be hyped for a lot of these things that were coming down the pipe. And, um, and then it had to become this weird like i don't know maybe they'll just use dawson for a bit part and then now the thing that we all knew was going to happen happened and um yeah it was just kind of that it was kind of that um this moment where like you had people that were really frustrated with the show because of that. And then you had this circle of people who just wanted this show to be fun. Hey, producer Kristen here. Um, so the last part of Tyrone's thoughts got cut off here, unfortunately. Um, in the beginning of Justice's uh, thoughts got cut off as well, um, unfortunately. Uh, even our backup recording failed. So um, rather than uh, keep you guys from this great conversation, I just wanted to record a little interlude to uh, give you the explanation of why there is a, a little bit disjointedness there. Um, but enjoy the rest of the conversation. Um, very much like Ahsoka 
is my favorite Star Wars character. I have an Ahsoka tattoo on my arm. Um, so she's kind of been there for me through my whole journey with Star Wars and with like my queer identity. So very much like I remember in March when the the first leak of Rosario's casting came out and just kind of everybody bringing it up then um, and nothing happened. And of course, now we came when we finally, the thing that we all knew was going to happen, as you said, happened. And I don't know, I guess I was, I was just frustrated by how many people like don't want to engage with something that makes them uncomfortable. Like, I, I understand like cancel culture as Gina may say it is sometimes not great, but I think in this, it is very important that people like can look at media and it's not like, we can't separate the artist from the art in this. Like I love Ahsoka as much as the next person. I've enjoyed the episode even, and I know people have different qualms with production or this or that, but I truly enjoyed it and I enjoy where this character is going, but it's going to always be overshadowed by me, for me, by the fact that no one's addressed it. Um, her, the, the assault claims, and very much like even the Vanity Fair article that like lightly touched upon it, they skated around the actual question, which she responded saying that, oh yeah, like my, uh, I, I'm very supportive of, supportive of the LGBTQ community. My track history shows that, and it's like, cool. That's not what people are upset about. Uh, we're not asking if you're a transphobe in broad general terms. It's specifically like, did you assault this man because he's trans? Easy yes or no question. And the fact that that hasn't been addressed, yeah, I think, is an answer absolutely. in and of itself, which is really disappointing. Yeah, and if I may jump in, like, the part about that I think you touched on is like, this is like holding people accountable of course is always a thing but like this isn't she had a fucked up secret tumblr and made some bad posts and now is like talking about how she grew pat like she yeah she assaulted somebody <laughs> allegedly since i mean since we're talking about like in recordings but like that's kind of the like the thing that kind of pissed me off about the whole people trying to just have fun with this season and like everybody here said we all watched it we all you know took what we could from it but not wanting to engage with the uncomfortable thing when it was a actual dangerous criminal act and not you know twitter beef or something like that yeah i feel like it speaks to like a larger i guess cultural thing of like we like we know that I guess mass media doesn't really look at trans people as like I guess even in terms of like the money I guess even that we like put into fandom and into merchandising like it's there isn't a consideration of like oh like we're worried about like losing this subset of people so we're not gonna address these things from a I guess a company standpoint um but very much so even like i remember earlier in i guess it is a new year but in the fall of last year when laverne cox was 
assaulted um, out in public and no, the most famous trans person in the country and no major news covered it at all. And most people found out about it from her Instagram lives. And I, I feel like that speaks just even broader, like people don't care if they don't have to. And it's really disappointing to even yeah. see like really big like content creators in fandom that just want to gloss over and don't want to even address the fact to, I guess, not stir feathers. And it's like, well, why is that? Like, why are you concerned with, I guess, a, a user base and a fan base that doesn't care about yeah, other people absolutely. in this space? And Danny, what about you? How, how did you feel about this season and those appearances? Well, please, yeah. Well, I just want to comment on that. What was it we were talking about just now first, but uh, that there was, was it, where was the article? Was it Vanity Fair? The the Bresnikan article? I believe so. Re regard. So an article came out like shortly after the Ahsoka episode came out in which basically, uh, yeah, I think Chris, you alluded to this, that they, they asked the question. And I mean, the question they asked was, you know, there are some allegations for your family. And Rosario said, well, they've been dropped and I support trans people. And then basically that to me, like, I just had this image in my head of all of Star Wars, like wiping their hands clean and just going, there we go. We took care of that. Everyone's good. We can all move on from those pesky vocal uh, minority who are being so obnoxious about this issue. And it just, it doesn't, it, so many people are willing to um, suddenly put trust and faith into our justice system when a character that they enjoy is on the line, you know? Like, this is a textbook case of a person with just so much, exponentially so much more power than the other person. And maybe the charges have been dropped, but that's what happens when you have one party that has millions and millions of dollars to funnel into legal fees and the other does not. So the, the fact that, again, you just see everyone in the fandom says, well, it, the charges have been dropped, so let's just move on and enjoy the character. And it just, it shows when and how they're willing to prioritize yeah, trans absolutely. lives and that really sucked as a trans fan. Um, my experience watching The Mandalorian this season was, uh, I, I too really enjoyed season one. Um, I'm still, I still haven't decided whether it's because it's just the first Star Wars live action television or because it's actually good television. I haven't figured out that distinction in my brain yet. Um, I'm excited for more. <laughs> Star Wars TV shows because it's you know it's the first one we're setting the baseline and I'm, I'll be curious to look back five years from now when we have what are we up to like 700 shows now and we can uh, we can like compare and see where it falls but like I enjoyed the first season and 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 the second season every time I sat down to watch an episode I had to like justify to myself that it was okay that I was oh, doing yes yeah, please God swear. which is it's fucked up where this is Book Wars pod right we were we're swear okay yeah it's fucked up like, okay. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have to sit here and, and like tell myself these are the reasons why it's okay that i'm watching the show and usually the reasons were pedro pascal because pedro pascal should be protected at all costs and and it's it's really like a thing that i came to realize is that on pretty much every tv show i'm watching there are probably at least you know we're, we talked about three names there's probably at least three people somewhere in the production of that show who share those views about trans people and trans lives. And it in this case, they just happen to be three people that are really at the forefront of the show because they're three major cast members. Um, 
but I just had to like remind myself that like this is a team effort, this is a group effort, and and there are so many good people that are putting their work into the show too. Um, and it stinks that that I had to put that asterisk next to the show, and I couldn't just sit down and enjoy the show, you know. Yeah, and I think that's something that like um, that I think we've all kind of mentioned here was we wanted to like it. We wanted <laughs> we like each of us wanted to be able to be excited for um for Ahsoka. Each of us wanted to be able to just enjoy this show. And and everyone who's tell everyone else who is who's trying to make it like we're the fun police trying to, you know, rain on everyone's parade. It's not that we want to hate the situation. We're we would we would love if we weren't put into the situation. So it's not on us like it put the onus on like lucasfilm for hiring these people and then being silent about it like we, we don't want to be in this role but it, it's 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 the value that lucasfilm has kind of demonstrated that they uh view us as like justice brought up um and and also it's you know it's kind of revealing how much the fandom values us and not just being silent about it, but like leaning into it, right? Like these views yeah. had been expressed for plenty of time before they announced that, oh, we're doing a spinoff show starring this actor and also this other spinoff show, which they haven't confirmed stars Gina Carano, but this Rangers of the New Republic sure feels like a Gina Carano show. Yeah. And I think like not even like remaining silent on it. Like I think one thing that you were talking about, Dylan, I was like hearing the actual complaint. I think a lot of people heard like we can't have shit. And they heard, and they took it as like, um, you're a transphobe if you watch the Baby Yoda show. <laughs> and... Can we get t-shirts that say that? <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's not what people were saying at all. It was like, yeah, we want like, we don't want to have our bullet points of what we're going to discuss to justify the fact that we watched the fucking second season as it came out. Like we just wanted to have our little star Wars thing and have our little escape from 2020 for five minutes. But no, like we have to be at work now while we're watching yeah. our show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and exactly. I think, you know, it's, I think you all put it really, really well when there is, there's this hostility from, kind of the community at large that's that's always kind of been there when you look at the way that the sequel trilogy has come and the casting of it and in particular casting John Boyega and Daisy Ridley in uh, starring roles in The Force Awakens and you know you get the the older white fan I think usually white male fan that just wants to like Star Wars and wants things to quote feel like Star Wars and it's they they always are accusing people of like going in with bad faith or not wanting to like things. And it's, it's, and as you all said, it's not that at all. Yeah. I think too, something that is like with Star Wars, it's like as a, I mean, it's a fantasy setting. Like we, it should be escapism and it, it is, unfortunate that as marginalized people and then marginalized fans we have to engage critically with with the content but i think that 
is very much like the role of content in any setting and especially like a fantasy world like you want to portray that everybody has opportunity and like we see that across like all these different like species and whatnot in star wars there isn't there shouldn't be any reason why like queer people can't also have representation and have um i guess rights and like that goes in front of the camera and behind it and it is definitely disappointing i guess to come to the conclusion that like there's still work to be done um i think it's really nice to like look at at fantasy in any setting and be like ah oh, this is great but there really it's there's work to be done we haven't solved racism we haven't solved homophobia and very clearly transphobia hasn't been solved either and it's just it's disheartening to to realize that there's so much work yeah, to keep going. And I think we've seen, you know, some of the non-screen media. There's a few examples of uh, non-hetero, non-cis characters in the, in the books. I know, I think one of the most prominent is Taka Jamarisa mm-hmm. from Last Shot by Daniel Jose Holder. Ah. Uh. Love Taka. Taka, amazing. Love Absolutely. them. Yeah, this is a Taka appreciation podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. So... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I... Well, I, I was just, um, I remember uh, uh, Daniel Jose Older has been, uh, like, he's he's on TikTok now, and um, and he's been also sharing his TikToks on Twitter, and one of the things that he said, which I really enjoyed seeing, was uh, he was talking about Taka and he said how important it was that one uh, Taka got to say their pronouns and two that Han and Lando immediately jumped on and just used their pronouns no problem because Mm -hmm. to quote older uh, they're heroes and that's what heroes do Mm -hmm. and heroes but also two of the scummiest (laughs) people in the galaxy and if two of the scummiest people in the galaxy can handle (laughs) Lando love them they don't set the bar high for like being good people which is part of right absolutely yeah Yeah, it reminds me of um one of my favorite kind of like analogous moments from deep space nine which is somebody Calls Jadzia Dax, which is like this person who switches bodies every generation by their old name and pronouns, and she corrects them, and they just immediately, and it's this like bloodthirsty Klingons, like Jadzia, my old friend, and it's like immediate just correction, and we're gonna keep moving. I love that moment. That was yeah, such Star a, Trek mm, is that was a good moment. And this isn't a Star Trek pod, but Star Trek is a lot better on a lot of issues than Star Wars, and that's always really been the case. Like Star Trek was much more intentional about how it handled representation back when it started of race and having uhura in a prominent role and now with issues of sexuality and gender identity in shows like star trek discovery but star wars is just not there at this time well and i think it's because they're two very different things like at its core star wars is like fairy tales it's fantasy and fantasy as a whole has this really big problem with like 
you have like trans people that are working within fantasy who are really good at this and you have cis people who are just like bless your heart <laughs> but it's like how do we approach gender when you have things like magical items that can switch people's bodies around um, and i feel like star wars kind of falls into this thing where it doesn't know how to just like do that a lot of the times they have to like they have to be star wars and they have to like explain to you the mystic ritual and stuff and it's like or you can just fucking be non-binary <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there's also a difference in just like like you said the intentionality of it and like the intention of uh the 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 origin of of both of these things of Star Trek and Star Wars um like there was a certain like Gene Roddenberry isn't a a perfect person like there's there's a lot of issues like in some in a lot of his worldviews but he did approach star trek with the mentality of okay how can i envision a better future for us and so like that was the starting point for star trek and so every time like we get a new iteration the people involved flawed though they may be they are still trying to think of that okay what is a better future that we can imagine Whereas uh, George Lucas, like you mentioned, he went out to write a fairy tale. He went out to write, you know, a, a Buck Rogers, uh, you know, Kur Kurosawa homage. He wasn't going out to like specifically declare a specific moral. There are morals in there, but I don't think he was necessarily as cognizant. Like there, there are parts that we can see of him being like, I want Leia, you know, to not be some damsel in distress. I want her to like. I want her to have an action figure. I want her to be an action hero. Um, but at the same time, there wasn't a deliberate decision of I'm envisioning a better future for people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think even like at its core, like, I mean, the empire is built on oppression. Um, but I feel like what's really interesting is even like textually looking at it. I can't like at least in the original trilogy besides Ula I'm not sure that there's much of like a representation of like slavery um but then like in the ex expanded material it's just rampant with the way that Twi'leks are treated and just the human supremacy of the empire that I feel like wasn't even in the original text but as like more story was added it just became this very like human centric thing that is translated poorly i feel like in the way that representation in general yeah, is sure. addressed yeah that's yeah. a good point and i think a lot of that is because like this is like it's kind of funny like the old expanded universe and we just been we're talking about like older books like um because in that old expanding universe you had this very common trap where it was like people who don't experience anything akin to this, these oppressions trying to write about them and so it falls into these really um i mean things that we know and can spot like now like um white saviorism as a narrative like that sort of stuff 
Um, but when it was like back then, it was just like, oh yeah, there's these dime store Star Wars novels. They literally don't mean anything. Um, and I think a lot of, I think that's where a lot of this like culture within the fandom where they kind of treat transphobia and racism as this kind of default that's there and shouldn't be challenged because one time there was this book about it. Um, started coming from because that's what everybody was kind of reading unsupervised in their formative years. Yeah. Yeah. Like my parents never supervised any of the fantasy or sci-fi. It's just, it was good that the kid is reading, like throw more books. Like here's a book fair ticket. Um, they ever checked the politics. <laughs> like who, who thinks to check the <laughs> politics of a book with a hologram cover? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a it's a good point too, is that we as opposed to like the old expanded universe and what we're seeing now is that everything does seem to be intentional and we are luckily getting more diverse writers, at least in the um novelization area, that it'll be interesting and hopeful that we see more, I guess, kind of rise in other places throughout um Lucasfilm storytelling because I, I feel like it, it also always comes down to like if you're not in a place of I guess being oppressed or being on I guess the the receiving side of um negative portrayals you don't have to think about it and it's not even that you don't necessarily want to it's just that it doesn't occur to you and while that <sighs> is unfortunate and a failing i guess of white men over 40 it's the reality i would love to i guess hold everybody up to well it's 2021 i think nobody should (laughs) everybody should know that transphobia is bad but i i guess if it's not something that you encounter on your day-to-day sure you don't think of it and then when it comes up it's like oh damn well we're in post what can we do which is unfortunate. Well, and I think that's an important point that you bring up that like, I don't have an expectation that every single person around me is going to be 100% uh, gender literate, let's say, I don't know what we call it. But like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I know that trans issues and, and understanding of gender and, and transgender um identities is complex and relatively new to the general zeitgeist of the world. So I don't expect every single human to understand everything. But what I do ask, which I feel like isn't asking that much, is that when I, as someone who exists in this world as non-binary, like shares my experience with someone or or points out that I, I think a certain thing is harmful, at the very least that someone will, will sort of acknowledge that versus um, yeah. the much more common response of digging their heels in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Some I think like also when you're willing to have that like first moment of critique, that's when really good conversations about this fandom actually happen. Um mm-hmm. because it took some of my friends um who are white to who are into Star Wars, like um it took some trust building to get to the point where we could talk about this thing where I, I laughed. I um, still read this article from time to time because it's this uh, 
this Taliban fighter talking about how much he loves Star Wars and the reasons he loves Star Wars are the exact same reasons I love Star Wars. <laughs> and um, a lot of my white friends would get a little uncomfortable when I would bring that up because, um, but the core thing that he was saying was like, if you really look at it, like whose religion is banned, who um, fights like this cutting edge deck with basically repurpose civilian gear who is vastly outnumbered who has to like cuddle up to unsavory folks just to survive and it's like mm-hmm. if we're being honest america you've always been the empire yeah <laughs> yeah um but after like we kind of talked about that those are kind of people that like i really enjoy talking about with star wars because it is like no the band religion thing is like there's this whole slew of jokes that native people have about Luke Skywalker because he's this like preachy kid that kind of got half trained, never really did anything. And just kind of like coast on his reputation <laughs> for three movies. And we all know that guy from high school. <laughs> oh, that's so real. Yeah. I, I liked what you, you brought up about like, you know, being able to have this conversation in fandom. And, and I think one of the things of like kind of kind of taking that and like switching from a different perspective is I feel like in a way, if we're allowed to have these conversations in fandom, it's a safe place for people to get uncomfortable. Um, like if someone is able to kind of sit back like a- able to like drop their guard enough to listen to some hard truths about a fictional character or a fictional universe um, or ge- or a piece of media, something that I know media can be really personal, but like, you know, there's, there's an, it's, it's personal, but there's also enough of a distance that you, you could probably, you know, draw the line of like, okay, but this isn't me and start engaging with, be it transphobia, be it racism, uh, you know, sexism, homophobia, um, fat phobia, uh, any of the any of the phobias and isms, um, and like actually start like engaging with that with like a it from like a media that you enjoy, like that is a relatively safe space to then slowly make the the transition from okay, these are the issues with the media I enjoy. Okay, now where am where am I in that? Like and how does that reflect on me? So I I wish people would kind of see these call-outs less as like like I, I wish that people would see these call-outs as opportunities to like critically regard things instead of throwing up their defenses. Cause I know that I personally, um, as someone who is is white, um has learned and he actually someone who started engaging with fandom assuming i was straight and cis um uh it, it actually opened up a lot of doors for me to like critically examine how i view media okay and how now does that affect how i view the world and so granted it is a privileged position to be in where i have to learn that as opposed to like it being my everyday life but it's still an opportunity for that. I, I kind of wish people would see that as an opportunity and not an attack. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. I think I think you, it makes a good point too of like we see a lot of a lot of discourse in fandom over like story and like technical choices and I feel like that gets so much highlight that when it comes to things like racism or transphobia or like actual issues I guess as opposed to like whether you like a creative decision or not it gets mm -hmm. overshadowed and people put up their same defenses that they put up for defending why they love one movie more than the other or why they think one sucks and it's like no like it isn't a it isn't a conversation about like whether or not you should enjoy this thing because of a, a story matter it's like it's looking at like you said like with the effects that it has on us as like the way that we view media is how we also view and integrate with society so it's more important i think than just whether or not you like a story choice and i wish that people would i guess drop their guard like you said and take this as a chance to educate yeah or, or at least as a chance to i don't know like it's great that people identify with characters but sometimes i don't think that they see like what that character they take them as like the character is an actual literal organic person and not somebody who has a role in a story yeah and so like um so when you have people that are kind of like open to having those conversations and kind of open about like why does this character do misogynistic things is it thoughtless or is there an intention behind it like that's when you wind up with these really great threads like on twitter of people saying things like um name a fictional character that calls women females and you'll have people piling into those threads naming characters that they love and have loved for 10 years <laughs> because let's face it season one Sokka is a misogynistic little ass and needs to get it out <laughs> but i love that kid <laughs> yeah i think there's there's a lot of great power that comes with like identifying with characters too and i mean justice you alluded to your relationship with ahsoka but but i think that if if there isn't that ability to recognize that, um, especially when it's a character like that's being uh, curated, is that the word I want? It's being, uh, the story is being told by a lot of different people, right? So mm -hmm. um, when a new party is introduced, in this case, Rosario Dawson, like that, um, I I think, I understand. I get it. Like this is this is a character that people have loved for a decade. Like people have been fan casting Ahsoka for years. People have been looking forward to this moment, and I understand why people wanted to be excited about this. Um, yeah. But I still don't think that that comes at the expense of recognizing the problematic nature that that goes along with it. And and so I guess it's kind of the inability to separate and see that there are real lives in this real non-fictional world that are harmed by this choice. So it's it's not just that we're raining on on your parade, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I feel like even, I, I mean, I remember, like you said, people have been fan casting Ahsoka for the better part of a decade. And like, I, Rosario Dawson was my, my fan cast for a really long time. Yeah, mm -hmm. mine too. And I, I liked the episode. I liked her portrayal. It's just, it's so hard to watch and like see her face, I guess, and like think about, I guess we don't know all the facts necessarily with this, with the alleged 
um, case, but the fact that it hasn't been addressed still is like, it just looms over and it's, it's upsetting that not only did we go through a, the chapter 13, but that there's going to be an entire show where that's just going to be looming over. Yeah. Yeah. And like for, from a practical perspective too, like it's, I, I, I watched the episode too. Like I'm watching the show and it's like, it, you know, I, I'm still grappling with where do I draw the line? Cause I know a lot of fans who I respect are going to watch the show and it's, it's going to be a challenging thing for me to see. Like, I like where, how do we, I don't know. I don't have the answer to this, but like, how do we enjoy the media while also being critical of what's going on for me? Like in the case of the show, it's probably going to be, I'm not going to be able to watch the show because in this case, she is the headline character. Well, and that's like kind of becoming critical of like, not just this casting choice, which yeah, like I don't, I'm probably not going to be able to watch that show either. Um, but like then actually looking at the companies that create the media that we own and how much of it they own, like, um, I feel like that's why a lot of people have talked about, you know, um, the backside of representation and getting like good representation, even for some people or some identities through these shows, they're still coming through Disney. So it's still this, mm-hmm. um, like there's always like, um, there were, critiques of like Avengers Endgame when it came out from queer people that linked to like things that they did in previous movies, like not letting them do um, queer confirming scenes with certain superheroes so that like the first moment could be in Endgame. Um, Those people are like the Russo brothers and they still work there. They're still getting jobs. So it's, um, Disney's got this like whole weird messed up thing where like they'll give you a win here and there, but if you step back, they still like like we somebody mentioned at the beginning, they're still courting this kind of conservative um, fan base or this like want to be apolitical and thereby conservative fan base, um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that like that's actually Disney as a company like. They yep. give to conservative super PACs. Um, they're not like <laughs> there's this kind of like tier of rich celebrity that they create that can be very pro- like progressive as a person, but it all feeds back into like that allows the company to just dump a billion dollars into Republicans' yeah, pockets. Every absolutely. Cycle. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dylan. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just that's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point, Iron. And like, what are we supposed to do? Because they own eighty three percent of all entertainment at this point. So like, I want to <laughs> well, be entertained. And like, and even, like by all we, rights, um, Star Wars should be going into like the public domain soon, so we could just create our own like queer and trans Star Wars stories. But no, like Disney decides to just mm-hmm. Pac-Man up another universe and extend the copyright on it. And, it is literally me, like what what can we do as consumers you're telling me i was like this close <laughs> to being able to make trans mask dexter jester canon like yeah <laughs> and disney took that from me yeah just like you know, there is canonically trans mask what are you talking I'm, about uh, 
on my birthday, that's uh, I'm gonna release uh, the Great Gatsby Two Weekend at Gatsby. <laughs> Why? I would because I can. That, I'm saying. <laughs> um, Justice, were you gonna say something as well? <laughs> I was, and Very now well, the thoughts slipped back, to my mind. Then oh, no. we will come back to you. And in the meantime, just to kind of pick up on what Tyrone, what you were saying, is that part of the frustration is there are some really big representation wins in The Mandalorian as well. And you know, obviously the ones from season one of Pedro Pascal being the headliner mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. getting to actually see his face in one episode, but like he is he is very yeah. prominent in ter- in like interviews and stuff. But then also this season we saw Tamira Morrison, uh He... Tamara Morrison. Tamara yeah! Morrison. I'm so. I'm so. Sorry. I'll let you. As someone who is historically, <laughs> I'm like really mad that I like now deeply like love him, and I'm like I will watch the book of Boba Fett, and if anything happens to him, I will kill everyone in this room, and then myself. right. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> it's an extremely common and bewildering sentiment that I think we're all sharing with you, Chris. Um, if if anything uh, happens to Boba Fett or Fennec, we're we're burning down small world. Oh like, my god! The the imminent Din Boba and Luke love triangle oh god, that I've been geez. seeing everywhere. Favorite, oh. my favorite. Um, and then, and as you t- just said, Tyrone, with Ming Na Wen returning as Fennec Shand, which was. Very good to see. Uh, and Giancarlo Esposito getting a yes. larger role as Moff Gideon, and hopefully that continues. I know he's alluded to the fact that we're going to get a lot more Moff Gideon in season three as well. So these are, you know, they're good things, and that's, like, it's it's great. It makes it fun to watch, and it's also really frustrating because it's we can't fully enjoy it because there's all the other stuff going on. Yeah, well, and I mean, like, the, and sometimes, like, the fucked up thing is, like, it feels really dirty to me that they specifically make Pedro Pascal, like, work with yeah. so many turfs, considering how open he's been about his sibling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think another thing about, like, the representation that's really frustrating about the transphobia is that. Like, out of the three known transphobes in the cast, two of them, like, would have been really freaking awesome representation. Like, really freaking wins, good wins at representation. Like, granted, Rosario Dawson's in orange makeup. So, you know, that's another woman of color in orange makeup. But that's still a woman of color in a leading role and about to headline an entire show. I want to be excited about this. I want to be able to celebrate that. And then Gina Carano, she does not fit the normal, like, beauty standard body types. Like, I celebrated that in season one, and I wish I could continue celebrating that, you know. But she's transphobic against Black Lives Matter and supports a coup. Like, those are just kind those don't make up for, you know, having big muscles. Absolutely. The irony of the the rebel sh- shock trooper supporting a coup is really <laughs> something. 
I think that's actually a Twitter account. It's like characters that would beat their actors' asses. <laughs> yeah, let it be known that Kara Dune would be wearing a mask and would have her pronouns, her actual pronouns, my name, in her Twitter profile. Uh, toward the beginning yes. of this season, <laughs> where it was like the scene, the scene of last season's finale, where uh, Mando won't take off his helmet. And because he doesn't want anyone to see his face and he's like willing to die for that. And it's like, it shows like her being like, I have to take your uh, helmet off. Uh, I have to take your helmet off to treat you. And Din says, no. And she says, but you have rights. And I was like, this, this is just so on the nose. (laughs) 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 All right. So let's, let's look ahead. And I know that we've talked about how, Enjoyment has been, you know, curtailed, I think, is an understatement of what we've seen from the show. But looking ahead to season three, as of right now, I don't think we have any reason to expect that Rosario Dawson or Gina Carano won't be involved um, with, you know, season three and Ahsoka, respectively. But what are you hoping for out of season three, you know, both in terms of representation, in terms of kind of plot and storylines, just anything? It would be so easy to write Gina out of the show between seasons two and three. And I, the, (laughs) there's the, um, let's let's do another meme. The meme of like the big, strong, muscular dog that's like, it'll never happen. And then the little tiny meek dog that's like, I have a little tiny sliver of optimism. That's just so misguided. But, (laughs) but maybe you could very easily just say, yep, she went off with the Rebel Alliance. She's gone. Uh, yeah, I like a hope would be uh, recasting Cara Dune. Like, there's been plenty of fantastic like mm. fan casts, mm-hmm. um, and so like just yeah, like I would like like the character of Cara Dune provides opportunity for um, for representation. So if they got if 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 they recast her, um, I think that would that would be my ideal ideal world is recasting Karadun. We as a fandom were willing to accept how old is he? Like seventy five year old Mark Hamill, aged down to be <laughs> post Return of the Jedi Luke. I think we can accept a recast Karadun. <laughs> and even to the point of like, you know, I I don't believe that Ahsoka has begun filming that. I I would I would love either for more information about that situation to come out or an Ahsoka recast would be fantastic. Yep. Flat out. Yeah. Tyrone, how about you? Yeah. But um I don't know, like looking forward, it is. It's just kind of I think the last five minutes we've kind of been like discussing how people have always kind of taken what they got from Star Wars. And I kind of, I would just like to see that default change a little bit because it's been yeah. 30, 35 years of Star Wars and it's still like, oh, I like this piece of it. Or um, I saw myself in this one part of the movie, so I was able to write some really great fan fiction on it. Um, 
and I just would really prefer if like I think like from the official standpoint stuff, I think we need to see more of like more willingness to like put things visible that they've just kind of said in interviews. Like um, people have been interviewed on Star Wars like, oh yeah, Lando's pansexual, whatever. But we never see Lando doing anything with anybody mm -hmm. except for like women and women coded droids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also a topic unto itself. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, and if we're going to have stuff that quote unquote exists, but it's in the background or it exists within confirmations of interviews, you know, then we can say like, oh yeah, no, such and such character was a slave in the mines. We just didn't think that that was very important to the story rather than, you know, baiting me with like the existence of queerdom in interviews. But then we have to stick yeah, through the slave storyline in every movie. Yeah. Right, well, is there anything else on Mandalorian on season two or three? Anything Star Wars that y'all want to leave us with as we as we wrap up? Um, just something that's kind of funny and related to season one, which is at an official NCAI event, um, a tribal leader wore a baby Yoda beaded medallion so now <laughs> that character on some level has to be that's like amazing. part of official tribal history for the united states <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing Beautiful. incredible i am i am interested to see how they work around taking grogu out of the show or if he'll return because i feel like a big push for a lot of people was the baby yoda show so yeah it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. And if, you know, he's going to uh, bully Ben Solo, which would... Be <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's my actual hope for the future. Is, like, if Grogu survives two genocides by Skywalker, he's going to be the one person in yeah. Star Wars that realizes <laughs> that we just have to, like, stop hanging around that family. <laughs> <laughs> Grogu is going to be the first Star Wars character to break the fourth wall and just, just realize... Gonna... <laughs> no more like no jedi purge just like this one specific family like five people and we'll they're just gonna do a office yeah. style <laughs> series about luke's jedi academy and it's just gonna be grogu staring at the camera anytime ben does something <laughs> incredible See, these are the kind of innovative ways that you can bring us into the future, Lucasfilm. I just, I, I stand by that Star Wars so many is good at ideas, its best right? when it's comedic, and so like more explicitly comedic things like this would actually be great. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, to that end, like I, I don't know. How if anybody else has watched WandaVision yet, so I won't spoil, but seeing, I guess, a genre like superheroes take on com a half hour comedy, it's something that I would really like to see from Star Wars. And I guess like going into this fantasy world, there are so many different ways that we can tell stories, whether it's like horror or comedy or give me a Star Wars rom-com, like, please. 
Mm. Or like people talk about the EU, but that actually is an EU thing. There's this ship that's full of Imperial officers in one book that they always minorly screw up every once in a while because if you're too good, you wind up working for Darth Vader and nobody survives for Darth Vader. <laughs> so, you know, at the end of every season, they just have to screw up a mission. Just all I want to watch all of these shows. Like, it's, all, it's all amazing. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. This has been a really incredible episode and a really incredible discussion. And I'm going to turn it over to you all to kind of, if you have anything you would like to plug, go ahead and do that. Um, I will just say that all four of you are people who, like, when I'm going through my Twitter timeline and liking tweets, I need to, like, ration my likes. So I'm not just like, all right, I'm, I can't like every single tweet that you have done today. Like, that's just weird. I need to, I need to ration them a little bit. So you're all fantastic follows, and I really appreciate you. <laughs> um, Tyrone, do you want to start uh, with uh, just a sign off and plug whatever you would like to plug? Uh, yeah, actually, my name, again, one time is uh, Tyrone. I go by both quantum entanglement on Twitter, and I'm going to plug something from work. Uh, I work for a little tabletop company, and we'll be having a game kind of launching on Kickstarter called City of Winter. So I'm a I check that out in February. Gaming, so that is immediately going on my list. So thank you. Uh, Justice. Uh, well, I'm at Firespray Proto on Twitter and Instagram. I don't have anything to plug other than Wishing everybody a happy, healthy, I love and it. joyful Danny? new year. Uh, I'm Danny Pirtle, 19, on Twitter. And um, you can hear me if you like uh, silly Star Wars thoughts. You can hear me on the podcast Rogue Padron. Um, and I also recently breathed life back into my podcast Encyclopedia. And uh, if you go back to episode 30, you can hear producer Kristen talking about IPAs. Uh, don't tell all my other guests, but that is definitely one of my favorite episodes. And in a moment of some pretty incredible synergy, right about the time this episode is going to be coming out, uh, I will also be releasing an episode featuring Kate talking all about hamsters. I'm, and I'm so it's exactly as cute she, as it she sounds. She just like was giddy as she was recording it because she loves talking about hamsters and looking at all the pictures. And Dylan. <laughs> it was so fun. Hi, uh, I'm Dylan. I'm at a Dylan Dev, uh, and that's D-I-L-L-O-N uh, Dev uh, on Twitter. And I'm also one of the staff writers on the uh, uh, Star Wars fan journal site 1138. So that's 11-38.com. Uh, numbers spelled out. So it's spelled out as words, not just one one. Fantastic. So, 11 well, thank you all again so much. And thank you to all of you listening for joining us for this discussion as well. Um, we are going to be bringing the podcast back. It is happening. We are off our hiatus officially. Um, we're going to do one more episode on Mandalorian with bringing in our usual podcast hosts, uh, Kristen, Miranda. And I want to say we'll have Kate. I don't want to promise it because the semester has started, but we're going to try. Um, so stay tuned for that. And also we are finally going to schedule our episodes on Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. 
Uh, so stay tuned for those in the coming week as well. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at BookWorsPod and on Instagram as well. Email us at BookWorsPod at gmail.com and find us on the Tashi Station Radio Patreon uh, is a great way to get in touch with us. Uh, if you have the means before donating anything to us, please donate to the National Black Trans Advocacy Coalition or your social and racial justice organization of choice. Uh, they, all these great causes need your support year round. And once you've done that, if you want to support us, you can either donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon or give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. Um, I have been trying to be generous with the pictures of Orca, Jasper, Tony, and our new hamster Cerberus. It, it, 2020 was a tough year. We need all the good pictures we can get. Um, but we'll, we'll tweet even more when you give us coffee. Uh, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. And our audio and production are done, as always, by our very own Kristen Cerisi. Uh, so for all of us and all of our guests, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you, I would usually say next week, hopefully in the next couple of days. We'll see how scheduling does. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you all so much. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was great. Thanks. Thanks.